the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, senior pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is from one of the scriptures we're using, Lord, make our faith stronger. Lord, make our faith stronger. But let me begin with an illustration on faith that I've used uh, two or three times here at Peoples. George Muller of Bristol, England, is one of those Christians who belong in Faith's Hall of Fame. He was traveling on a ship from England to Quebec City, Canada. The captain of the ship is the one who is telling the story. He said, I've been on the bridge for 24 hours because of the thick fog. When George Muller came to me and said, Captain, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. It's impossible, I said. Then, very well, if your ship cannot take me, then God will find some other way. I've never broken an engagement in 57 years. Let's go down to the chart room and pray. I looked at that man of God and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum can that man have come from? For I've never heard anything like this. Mr. Muller, I said, do you know how dense the fog is? No, he replied, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He knelt down and he prayed one of the simplest prayers, said the ship's captain. When he had finished praying, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and said, as you do not believe, God will answer. And I believe he has. There's no need for you uh, to pray about it. So I looked at him, and George Miller said, Captain, I have known the Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day when I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain and open the door, and you will find the fog has gone. 
I got up, and the fog indeed was gone. And on that Saturday afternoon, George Muller kept his promised engagement in Quebec. In the annals of Christianity, there are numerous stories of people who dared to take God at his word and have never been disappointed. How do you get faith like that? How can our faith be increased? We are not unique in our concern about the weakness of our faith. The disciples of Jesus also had that that concern and that problem. In fact, in Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, we read, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the contemporary English translation says, Make our faith stronger. All of us as Christians would like to have more faith, stronger faith. The question is how? If faith is what makes our life rewarding and fulfilling, how does God increase our faith? God increases or strengthens our faith by testing it. Faith grows and becomes stronger as it is tested. Every day we have faith-building opportunities. The problem is most of us don't recognize them. We don't realize that God is using the difficulties and the problems of our lives to increase or to make our faith stronger. I want to suggest three ways that God tests our faith so that it can grow and be strong. First, we grow in faith through difficulties. I'm speaking about trials, problems, pressures, and tough circumstances. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, writing to the Christians who had been persecuted as they dispersed across Asia Minor, Peter said, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The trials, problems, and difficulties that come into our life come to test and to strengthen our faith as believers in Christ. Nothing is ever by accident in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Everything is father-filtered. Nothing comes into our life without God's permission. There are accidents in life, of course, but God uses them so that our disappointments become his appointments. Sometimes God has to custom-make a problem to teach us faith. The prophet Jonah had a custom-made problem. The great fish swallowed him and got his attention. 
And sometimes God creates problems that swallow us up, overwhelm us, so that we are forced to call upon God. And we feel like Jonah in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7, where Jonah said, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. God uses the circumstances of our life to test our faith. If life was easy, it wouldn't require any faith. If you could feel God's presence at all times, you would just go by your feelings. Sometimes God removes the feeling of his presence just so we would learn to trust him in the difficult circumstances that we are facing. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 10 says, I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. The Bible often compares our problems and difficulties to a furnace. The furnace heats up so high that all the impurities in the gold or silver are burned away. An old silversmith was once asked, how do you know when the impurities are burned away in the silver? And he said, when I can see my reflection in the silver. So when God can see his reflection in us, then he knows that we are serious about our faith, that we um, are in a position that he can bless us and use us. So the question is, what should I do when I'm going through difficulties? How should I respond? The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 in the contemporary English version, it says, my friends, be glad even if you have a lot of trouble. You know that you learn to endure by having your faith tested. Now, James is saying, when I have trials in my life, I should rejoice, I should Take it easy. I should thank God. I should praise him. Why? Because I know that God is with me and that he has a purpose for my life and he's going to help me to get through whatever situation I find myself in. God's purpose is greater than the pain or the problem or the difficulty we are going through right now. If we want to learn to live by faith, we must rejoice continually in spite of the situations we are in. God uses difficulties to build our faith. He builds our faith not in the easy times of life, but in the difficult times. These times give God an opportunity to reveal his grace, his love, his power, his wisdom, his mercy, as well as his blessings in very special ways. The testing of our faith may come in a variety of ways. 
It may come as a financial setback. It may come as a diseased body. It may come as an emotional breakdown. It may come through a broken relationship. It may come as a result of a death in the family. It may come through a natural disaster. But brothers and sisters, we need to realize that God's purpose in allowing difficulties, adverse circumstances, and afflictions to come upon us is to help us, not to hurt us, to bless us, not to burden us, to refine us, not to ruin us, to train us, and not to torment us. But the second point is we grow in faith through giving. We grow in faith through giving. Do you know that money is one of the greatest tests of faith? Few people understand how God uses our material possessions as a test of character and a test of our faith. In Luke 16 and verses 10 and 11, Jesus says, If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So what is Jesus talking about here? He is giving us a truth that is taught throughout scripture, that there is a direct relationship between how I handle my money and the depth of my spiritual life. Money is a test of our faith in God whether we recognize that it comes from God, whether we recognize that we will be blessed when we give generously. He is a generous God and we are his children and so we ought to be generous in our giving. Not just to the church, but also to uh, the various needs that we see within our communities. What I do with my money really determines how much God can bless my life. Every time I sit down and write a check for my tithes, knowing that I could be using that money to pay bills and do some other things with it, my faith is being tested. Writing to the Corinthian Christians, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also exceed in this grace of giving. Giving tests both our love and our faith. How much do I really love God? How much do I trust him? Do I put my money where my mouth is? If we have a problem giving a tithe to the Lord to support his work, then we will also have a problem with the teaching of the scriptures. The fact is that every time I give tithes to the Lord, my faith grows. Every time I give, it breaks the grip of materialism in my life. 
Every time I give, I grow in love, in faith, and in spiritual maturity. In First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 13 and 14, David says to God, after the Israelites had given a great amount of money for the building of the temple, David says, O our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. What David is saying is that giving not only tests our faith and our love, but also the integrity of our heart. God wants to be the Lord of every area of my life and yours. How much faith in God does our giving reveals? If God looked at your giving last year, would he say that you really trust him and that you're in love with him? It is interesting that in giving, God not only tests our faith, but the Bible says that giving tests God as well. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, in the contemporary English version, it says, I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse, so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. It is, it is as if God is saying, I'm going to play a game with you. You give to me and I will give to you and we'll see who wins. I dare you to put God to the test to see if he will keep his promise. And we know that he does keep his promises. Many of us have grown more in faith in the area of giving than in any other area of our life. Someone has said, the most sensitive nerve in the human body goes from the wallet to the heart. God says, I, I want all of you. I want what you, your giving represents that it um, represents your faith in me. But the third point is we grow in faith through waiting. We grow in faith through waiting. If every prayer was immediately answered, if every need was automatically met, if every problem was instantly solved, we wouldn't need faith, and our faith wouldn't need to be stretched. But it's not that way. We have to wait on the Father when we talk to him and ask his, his help. Now it is human nature that we hate to wait. You go to the supermarket and when you are ready to check out, you look for the shortest line because you don't want to wait. You're traveling on the highway and you notice that traffic is backed up so you take an alternate route because you hate waiting. We hate waiting lines. 
We hate waiting to be served. We hate waiting to see the doctor, especially when we go to the emergency room. Yet a large percentage of our life is spent waiting. If you and I can't learn how God wants to stretch and grow our faith during times of waiting, we will miss out on much of the faith lessons that God wants to teach us. A good example of this is the people of Israel on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. They could have made the journey in two or three weeks, but it ended up taking them 40 years. Why all this wasted time? Because God was more interested in developing their faith than in getting them from point A to point B the fastest way. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, speaking of this um, uh, experience, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40, for 40 years, or these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. That's what it happens in times of waiting. God gets to see what's in our heart. Do you ever find yourself in situations where you are in a hurry but God isn't? Why does that happen? Because God is more interested in growing our faith than anything else. So we start asking the when questions while we are waiting. When is my marriage going to get better? When am I going to find the right person and get married? When am I going to get the job I've been waiting for? When am I going to get well? So waiting can develop our faith more than we realize. Some of you are waiting on something right now. Maybe you have been waiting a long time. But while you are waiting... God is there with you. He will not leave you alone. God uses difficulties, he uses money, and he uses delays to increase and strengthen our faith. Look at what God does. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4 says, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. It pays to be patient. Just remember this. While you are waiting, God is working. He is doing things behind the scenes in your heart and other people's heart that you cannot see. If I'm really going to grow in faith, then I have to be prepared to wait patiently. God is not going to snap his fingers and give instant answers to my every prayer. Why not? Because God wants me and you to grow in our faith. Although waiting may try our patience, we will discover sooner or later the truth of the scripture that God will never leave us nor forsake us. In our mountain of misery, 
God is our comfort. In our bed of sorrow, God is our joy. In our furnace of affliction, God is our strength. In our hour of decision, God is our wisdom. And in our time of despair, God is our hope. God has promised his children a safe landing on the shores of eternity. But this does not mean that there will always be a calm passage. The ocean of life may appear to be too large for our small vessels, and the waves may seem so big and the storms may seem so fierce. But we know that God will see us through to that golden celestial shore. For when Christ is on board the ship, no matter how small, it will not and cannot sink. So what if circumstances may obstruct your goal? What if difficulties may test your faith? What if adversity may deny your happiness? What if suffering may overwhelm our bodies? And what if disease may shorten our lives here on earth? We know that God is still God, and by his grace and mercy, everything will be all right with us. For he is our hope, and therefore we can face each day, each trial, each adversity, each problem, and each situation with full confidence in the one who has led us thus far, and therefore will continue to lead us safely home. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, We will tell the story how we have overcome, for we will understand it better by and by. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 10.30 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.